0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
1: Hey, take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're continuing our sermon series, Just Stop It, going through the first 11 chapters of the uh, book of Genesis. And we're going to uh, be talking this morning about blaming other people and making excuses. Anybody here ever made an excuse for something before? Yeah, everybody in this room has made excuses at one time or another. And uh, we're going to look over into Genesis chapter 3 and uh, be talking about that this morning. We're also going to refer at one point... Over to First John 1, if you want to rip a page or stick a finger in there or something like that, uh, that'll be good by the time it gets there. Well, you notice that in today's society, nobody takes responsibility for anything. Something is always somebody else's fault. It's never our fault. Always making excuses. Got three examples right here. Here's a Nashville lawyer by the name of Chris Severe, And Chris is suing uh, Apple Corporation. He's suing Apple for a very simple reason. That's actually Chris, believe it or not. He's suing Apple because he has a porn addiction and he got his pornography on an Apple computer. And so uh, it led to him getting divorced, and he said Apple should have had more controls on the computer. It was just too easy to access the pornography. Therefore, he is suing Apple and taking no responsibility for what he did himself. This is Walter Randell uh, that you see here. Walter is suing McDonald's for making him fat. Uh, uh, he ate at McDonald's four to five days a week. Uh, had two heart attacks, uh, his health deteriorated, and he sued McDonald's for $2 million. Now, it became such bad publicity for McDonald's that they settled out of court. And the settlement for Walter was this. He gets a lifetime supply of McDonald's. <laughs> Seriously, absolutely true. And the third here is we have Mark Johnston, Mark Johnston. Mark is suing the grand casino in Las Vegas because he lost money while gambling in Vegas. Who would have thought that could happen? I thought those casinos were were all made by people making money when they went there and did that. But he's got a good story. He started drinking too much, got drunk, and they kept serving him drinks that impaired his ability to gamble. So he is suing the grand casino. Again, nothing ever our fault, always somebody else's fault. We live in a society where there is little or no personal responsibility. We blame other people for all of our problems, all of our shortcomings, everything that goes on. We keep making excuse after excuse for ourselves, for our children, for everyone else. And it's time we just stopped it, okay? Just stop it. So let's look over into Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And the first thing we, th- we see is this. All of us will be tempted and fail in life. All of us will be tempted and fail. You are going to sin. You are going to mess up. You're going to have times in your life where you don't get it right. 1 John 1.10 says, if we claim to be without sin, we are calling God a liar. If you claim to be without sin, you're calling God a liar. All of us sin, all of us mess up, all of us have shortcomings, all of us will fail no matter what we do. You are going to mess up. Look down to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So this is the beginning of temptation and the beginning of sin. And it's causing Eve to doubt God and what God said. So he just twists the word of God a little bit. Now what God had actually said, Eve will tell us in a second. But It was, not to, it was just to not eat from the one tree in the middle of the garden. But, but the serpent says, you're not to eat of any tree in the garden. Just subtly uh, changing the word of God a little bit. In verse 2 and 3, Eve answers exactly the way she was supposed to. She said to the serpent, "We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say not to eat tree, not to eat fruit from the when well, we try it in English, not to eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die." So Eve very reliably says exactly what God had told them, but because of what the serpent has said, doubt has entered in. So then the serpent goes on in verse four and he says, you're not going to die. God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God and you will know good from evil. Now here's the problem we make with sin. We think of sin as being the actual act that we commit. And so if we don't actually go through and follow through and do the act, we think we haven't sinned. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus changed that. He said sin has nothing to do with the final act. Sin has to do with everything that preceded the act as well. You wouldn't have done the act if you weren't first thinking about it and and contemplating it. Just because you didn't have opportunity doesn't mean you didn't sin. Uh, That was there. So what the serpent is trying to do, what Satan always tries to get us to do is not just the act. It's to doubt God. Because sin is a lot more than the act. Sin is you separating from God, choosing your own path and choosing what you want over and opposed to what God wants. That's what sin is. And so that's why at the beginning of the temptation here, it's not about eating the fruit. It's about doubting God and not trusting God, choosing your own way. And that's what sin is at every level. I don't care what your particular sin is. It's all about doubting God and choosing your own way. And that's what Satan is trying to get Eve to do here is to doubt what God says. So he goes on in verse six and it says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing for the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. Now look at verse six again, because you see the exact path that temptation always takes. The fruit of the tree was good for food was the first thing we're told. So first of all, hey, if I commit this sin, it's going to be something good for me. It's going to help me out. It'll get me out of trouble. It will give me pleasure. It'll it'll uh, it'll make my business stronger. We're we're thinking of something somehow. This is going to be to my benefit if I do this. That's always a part of temptation. The next thing we're told is it's not just for our benefit, but it was pleasing to the eye. It just looked good uh, when we saw it. It, it. It was something that was drawing us in, and then we saw it was desirable. And uh, so, the, so the passion that's always involved in that as well. So now Eve is not only doubting God, she's looking at the fruit and saying, why shouldn't I eat it? What's wrong with it? And finally she gets to the point where she takes it and she eats it. And then we're told she gives it to her husband who is with her and he ate it as well. And so we often uh, get on Eve pretty bad and say, well, Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and, uh, and ate the fruit. And I've heard somebody, a woman say to a man one time, where would you men be without us women? And the answer was the Garden of Eden, uh, you know, or something like that. But, but, you know, that that's not the case at all, because you read this and what it says is Adam was with her at the time. So Eve gave in to Satan's temptation. Adam just gave in to Eve said, hey, why don't you take it? And he goes, well, okay, why not? You know, Or what's there? But both of them now have fallen into this pattern. They've taken the same route. They have both sinned because of it. But that's going to happen to every person in this room. Every person in this room will have times in your life that temptation will get the best of you and you will fail. And when that happens, that's when everything begins to unravel and fall apart. None of us are perfect. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to give in at one time or another. In the early 1960s, Stanford University did a, uh, an unusual study called the marshmallow test. Anybody here ever hear the marshmallow test? Yeah, several of you have. Well, the marshmallow test is really very interesting. You offer a kid one marshmallow, they can have it now. If they delay gratification for a few moments, they get more marshmallows. And so the marshmallow test was set up and say, let's see how kids deal with temptation. And there was an interesting thing that came from the Stanford study, and it was this, that kids that didn't eat the marshmallow but delayed it and ate the several marshmallows later, when they were in college, 100% of them were, were excellent students doing well in life. The students that took it immediately were having more troubles. And so uh, it's just always there, that temptation that's there. But I got about a minute clip here of the Stanford marshmallow test. Look at these kids battling with temptation. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You
0: can either wait...
1: Now, think about what was just said. It's, it's pleasing to look at, desirable to the eyes. It's going to make you wise. And then you see the struggle that was going on with these children. Temptation is going to be there and there will be times that all of us will fail. All of us will be tempted. All of us will fall. That brings us to the next thing that we look at. When we fall, we often seem to, we often seek to cover it up instead of admitting it. So you mess up and the first thing we do is we try to cover it up instead of just admitting that we've messed up to begin with. So that's what happens to most people and it happens for a very simple reason. It happens because when you mess up, the first thing that kicks in is your defense mechanism. You want to protect yourself. And so to protect yourself, you start making excuses. You start blaming others. You start doing things that you hope will take care of your problem, that you've messed up and done something wrong. And we see that in our scripture passage. The first thing we often do is that we try to hide it. We avoid people. We avoid the situation uh, that's there. So we try to hide the fact that we've messed up. Adam and Eve do that in our scripture passage. Uh, Keep reading. In, in our scripture in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were uh, naked. And uh, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they eat the fruit, and when they do that, that innocence is lost, and suddenly shame comes into the picture. Because when you've messed up, when you've done something wrong, guilt and shame is always the first emotion that you have. And so the first thing they do when they begin to feel guilt and shame for what they've done is they try to hide the guilt and shame. And for them, it was an understanding, hey, we don't have clothes on, we're naked, we need to cover ourselves. But the covering of themselves is just a symptom that what is going on is they are trying to cover, they are trying to hide the sin and the shame that has come into their life. And you keep reading uh, as you go on, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, why are they hiding from God? Again, it's a defense mechanism. They've done something wrong. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to be blamed for it. So they're going to cover themselves and hide themselves. And then they're literally going to get behind a tree and hide from God. Because they are trying to cover their sin as a defense mechanism of what's going on in their life. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So again, the whole thing here, trying to cover guilt, shame, uh, by, by trying to sweep it under the rug, by trying not to take responsibility for what's going on here in their life. That's exactly what they are doing. What's the problem with trying to hide something when you've messed it up instead of dealing with it directly? If you try to hide it, if you try to cover it up, you're never going to deal with it. You're never going to admit you have a problem, and you're never going to find a solution to it. All you're doing is sweeping the dust under the rug. And if you, if you, all you do is sweep it under the rug, it's not going to be very clean for very long. Anybody here ever moved a refrigerator in your house just a little ways? What's it look like under the refrigerator? Oh my goodness, where did all that come from? Well, that's what's going on in your life. You might sweep it under the refrigerator there for a second, but it's just building up and accumulating and all that mess is there because you're not dealing with it, you're not admitting it, you're just trying to hide it from being known because you don't want to pay any consequences for what you've done. So that's the first thing we do. All of us are going to mess up, and one of the reactions we have is to hide it because we're afraid of the consequences and we have shame and guilt for what happened. Adam and Eve then do a second thing. They not only try to hide their sin, when their sin becomes known, then their reaction is to make excuses and blame others. And again, we do the exact same thing today. Look down to verse 11. And so God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So God asked Adam, did you eat from the tree that, that I told you not to eat from? Now God knows he's done it, but the first part of really coming back to God is admitting you've messed up in the first place. So Adam has to admit he's messed up. You can't find forgiveness until you admit that you've done something wrong. So Adam here, instead of admitting that he's done something wrong, in verse 12, he makes two excuses and blames two different people. First of all, he blames Eve. Well, it's her fault she gave it to me. So it's not his fault, it's her fault. He would have never eaten it if she hadn't given it to him. So it's all Eve's fault. Adam is a totally innocent bystander here. Peer pressure forced him to do something right there. But it wasn't just that, he then blamed somebody else. Look at verse 12, the woman you put here with me. Who else does he blame? God, it's not my fault, you made her, it's your fault. It's kind of like he's saying, why did you do that? And he said, why, why did you and your brother do that? And he said, don't blame me, you're the one made him. You know, <laughs> he's your problem, not mine. You know, I I just went along with it or something like that. So here is Adam. He blames both Eve and he blames God instead of taking responsibility for what he's done. Now, why do we blame other people and make excuses? We do it because when our sin has become known, again, it's a defense mechanism. We don't want to face the consequences and we don't want to admit we've done something wrong. So we blame other people. And we do that over and over again today. We blame everything on everybody today. We blame it on our parents. It's all my parents' fault. Here's a, here's a slide that shows you uh, blaming everything on your parents. There. Years from now, darling, you'll be able to blame everything in your life on me. Won't that be fun? You know, that's what kids do nowadays, blame everything. It's their parents' fault. They did it. Well, if it's not the parents' fault, they get a little bit older, then it's the teacher's fault. Got to be the teacher's fault. Now, my sister is retired from teaching, and she said when she first started, this was literally true, that when a kid got in trouble or got bad grades, the parents, man, they would come down on that kid. And say, what is wrong with you? You need to study harder. I'm going to whip this kid into shape. The difference between when she started teaching and today is exactly what you see here. If my kid messes up and gets bad grades, it can't be his fault because he was lazy and didn't study. It's got to be the teacher's fault. So you've got to blame somebody else. But what about all the problems in our country? Who do we blame it on? Yeah, uh, oh, you blame it on the other political party, whichever political party you may be. It's got to be their fault. It can't have anything to do with you. So we blame society. We blame peer pressure. We blame our circumstances. We blame everything in the world and make every excuse in the world instead of fessing up and saying we've done something wrong and saying that I haven't done it the way that it should have been done. So here's Adam, he blames Eve. Look at Eve, what's she going to do now? Her options are limited. He's already blamed her and God. So who's Eve gonna blame it on? Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me. And then I ate it. It was peer pressure. It was, I got in a bad situation. It wasn't my fault. Now, some of you older people out there, you remember Flip Wilson? Remember Geraldine? Who did Geraldine blame everything on? The devil. Yeah, yeah. I got a picture of Geraldine right here. The devil made me do it. You know, well, that's what Eve is saying here. Well, it's not my fault. The devil made me do it. Now think about all the stuff we blame things on. Well, I, have bad, I had bad, had bad abuse of parent. Uh, it was my teacher's fault. Uh, it's society's fault. It's the devil's fault. It was peer pressure. We blame it on all of those different kinds of things. Are any of those things, do they have anything to do with you messing up? Absolutely, they do. Peer pressure can cause you to do things you wouldn't normally do. Uh, Having an abusive parent uh, as you grew up can cause you to do things that you shouldn't do. But here's the, the crux of the whole matter. You still have a choice. You may have grown up in a bad situation. You may be around the wrong group of people that led you to do something you shouldn't do. But you're the one that made the decision. Nobody twisted your arm and held you down and made you do something you didn't want to do. You made the decision to do it. And if you don't take responsibility for making that decision, then you're going to keep getting into bad situations. And you're going to keep making mistakes because you've never faced up to the fact that you have done something wrong and tried to take it on right from the start. And that's exactly what we see in our scripture passage. So what have we seen so far? We've seen we're all going to mess up and fail in sin. And we've seen the question then is how do you react? And often people act defensively and try to hide their sin or blame it on somebody else. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. We need to take responsibility for our behavior and seek God's grace. We need to take responsibility for our behavior and seek God's grace. Look back to that First John passage I alluded to a little bit earlier. First John chapter 1. Look down to verse eight. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be without sin, there's only one person that's being deceived. Who is it? It's you. If you say, I didn't do anything wrong, I'm going to hide what I did and nobody will do it. I didn't do anything wrong. It's my parents' fault. It's the government's fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's my peer, peer pressure. People I'm hanging around with's fault. If you try to deceive yourself, you're the only one that pays the price. You're the one that's messed up. Everybody knows you've messed up. The only one that's hiding it is you. If you claim to be without sin, you're only deceiving yourself. He then goes on and says this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what happens if you if you say you haven't sinned and you refuse to admit it and you make excuses, you're deceiving yourself, your life is going to continue to be lived on a lower level. You're not going to learn anything and you're not going to get any better. But if you confess it, God is faithful and just. He will forgive you, purify you and restore you. And so that's what we need right there. And so how do we see this with Adam and Eve? Well, two things take place with Adam and Eve that we need to see when it comes to bringing our sins and confessing them before God. The first one you're not going to want to hear. Okay. So if you just want to live your nice little life and you don't want to hear it, you can, you can get up and, and leave. I'd say go to the cafe, but it's not open yet. Okay. Uh, maybe in a week or two. The first one is this. There are always consequences to sinful behavior. There are always consequences to sinful behavior. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God won't forgive you when you confess, but there are consequences. If you have done things that have hurt you, hurt other people, there are consequences to your behavior, whether you want there to be or not. Are there consequences in our scripture passage to what Adam and Eve have done? Absolutely. There are consequences for the serpent, there are consequences for Eve, and there's consequences for Adam, the least of which we think about is that people are now going to die. They're going to be kicked out of this paradise in the garden and people are going to die. There are consequences to behavior even when you are forgiven. Well, that's not fair, Chip. That's not right. I told God I was sorry. Well, it's one thing to be sorry, it's another thing to repent, it's another thing to be forgiven, but there are still consequences. Let's go back to the guy who said it was Apple computers, fault because he had pornography uh, on his computer or something. So viewing pornography, here's this man, he's viewed pornography. What has happened in the sin that he's committed? First of all, he's sinned against himself because he's changed his mind, how he views women, how he views romance, how he views relationships. He ended up losing his wife because of what was going on there. So that was a, that was a collateral damage to his sin. Then there was the sin against his wife himself, the way he viewed her, the way he treated her, uh, what happened in their marriage because of it. There was also a sin that took place against the very actors that were involved in the video because the only reason they're doing what they're doing is to make money. And the only way they make money is because you're viewing it. And so you are lowering these people's lives because of what you were doing. And even the people who are selling and producing and all of this, you were a part of all of that network that's going on there. So just saying I'm sorry and God forgive me doesn't mean there aren't collateral damages to what's going on. I've used the illustration several times here. But if I went over and robbed White Castle right now and said, give me three hamburgers right now, and then ran out of there with them, didn't pay for them, and ran back to church. And so they called the police and they said, you, you stole three hamburgers from, from White Castle. And I said, okay, take them back. Lord, I'm sorry I stole these hamburgers. Please forgive me. Would God forgive me for stealing those hamburgers? Absolutely. Would the police officer say, oh, you asked God to forgive you, so I'll just go on back across the street. You just eat your hamburgers. Is that what the police officer would say? No, there are consequences to behavior. You, don't, you might not like it. You might not want to deal with it, but there are consequences to our behavior. You remember the tragic story you've seen over and over again in the paper of the last few weeks uh, of the young girl, Michelle Carter. I uh, got a picture of her here. Uh, that, that encouraged her boyfriend to commit suicide. That the entire night was telling him, don't be a baby, just do it. I'm tired of listening to your whining. And then finally, he freaked, got out of the car and said, this is crazy. And she said, get back in your car and do it. And he got back in the car and killed himself. And now she has been arrested and is going to prison for uh, manslaughter for what she did. And her defense was very simple. It was just words. He's the one that did it. I didn't do anything wrong. There are consequences to behavior. There are always consequences to faith. We don't like that. But part of confession, part of coming to God is facing the consequences. It's this. I've messed up. I've done something wrong. And I want you to forgive me. And I'll face the consequences for what I've done. That's what real forgiveness is. We don't like to hear that. We want it swept under the rug. We want to blame it on somebody else. But you will never grow and your life will never get better and you will never handle the problems in your life if you don't face the consequences that come with it. Parents, when you bail your kids out of every single thing they are doing, you are not helping them. You are handicapping them. They have to face consequences sometimes. You didn't study for your test. You didn't finish your paper. I'm not going to get up at five in the morning and finish it for you. You're going to have to face the consequences for being lazy and not studying. I'm sorry. And then maybe the next time they'll study. You're not helping them. Consequences are the way that we actually build ourselves up and help ourselves. So that's the first thing. There are always consequences to sinful behavior. And then the second thing we see is this. There is always grace and a new start. When you come to God, there is always grace and a new start. Now, if we just stopped right here, this would be a fairly depressing picture, wouldn't it? Adam and Eve messed up, blamed it on everybody else, and now they've got some tough consequences. But there is always grace and a new start when it comes to God. Look down in our scripture passage to verse 21. 21. This is often a throwaway verse. Uh, we, we just kind of pass over it as we go through it. But this is actually the most powerful verse of, of, of Genesis chapter three. We don't even read it half the time. Well, we've got the story now, let's go on. This is the powerful verse right here. Look at verse 21 again, Genesis three twenty one. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. After their excuses, after they've messed up, after the pang of their consequences, then what God does is he makes them uh, garments to wear made out of skin were towed. Two things are involved in that that are so important. The first thing that God did is that he hid their shame. Okay? They were embarrassed by what they have done. They were, they were humiliated. They were trying to hide it. And so God hid their shame for them uh, is what he's doing there. The second thing is the way he hid it was with clothes that were made of skin. This was the first sacrifice that took place for forgiveness of sin. And it is a precursor to Jesus coming to die on the cross to take your sins upon him that you might be forgiven. So what you have in verse 21 is the great grace that is given here. Yes, I'm going to hide your shame. Yes, I'm going to cover it through this blood sacrifice. And it's going to restore you uh, back once again. Are there consequences to your behavior? absolutely. You're being kicked out of the garden. Uh, The ground isn't going to produce. You're going to die. There are consequences to behavior, but it doesn't mean God doesn't forgive and restore. Now, sometimes you'll lose things that God wanted you to have along the way. Your sin will cause you to have missed blessings and things in your life God wanted for you. But what God will do is he'll take you from that point and he'll begin to restore and rebuild and renew you. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20 of our scripture passage. We're told, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. So the name Eve simply means living uh, is what it's there. So what do we see? Sin, blame, and excuses. We've seen consequences. And then we've seen this. And Eve was going to become the mother of all living. And God made them skins and covered their shame. So it's a new start. Yes, they're no longer in the garden, but Eve now has a new start. Adam has a new start. They are going to become the mother and the father of all living. They have been forgiven. Their sin has been hidden in God, and they have now found forgiveness. God wants to restore you and take you where you are and move you forward. But if all you do is make excuses and hide your sin, you're never going to move forward, and you're never going to get better, and all you're going to do is have that dirt build up more and more under the rug until one day it comes out, and you're going to wonder how all that got under there. We had an interesting story this week about a young lady by the name of CeCe Sims. got a picture of CeCe right here. She was a freshman basketball player for Auburn, the Auburn Tigers. She was one of the best high school players in the state of Tennessee, signed with Auburn. When she got to Auburn, there was just so much pressure for her to perform and do good in basketball that, that, that she began to get harder and harder time with it. She called her parents and she said, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to come home. And her mom and dad said, look, you're just homesick. It'll be fine. Uh, you know, you just need to go talk to your coach and some other players. So she started drinking, started drinking heavily, started drinking almost nonstop. Then she started panicking. Every day she had to go into a ball game. Uh, She was averaging five or six points a game as a freshman. uh, Started panicking because of what was going on and the pressure of trying to perform in the ball games. And she just disappeared one morning. And uh, she was gone for three days. There was a search. When they found her, she said she had been kidnapped. And uh, the police began to investigate it and said not only had she not been kidnapped, she'd just been on a three-day drinking binge. And so C.C. Sims lost her scholarship, was kicked out of Auburn, went back to her home with her mom and dad. Consequences to behavior. But when she got home, she found something from her mom and dad she didn't expect. They said, honey, we're so sorry you had to go through all this. We love you and we want you to get your life back together again. They got her in a rehab program. She reconnected with the church that she'd fallen out of when she started going to college again. And she's put her life back together. She's going to University of Tennessee right now, not play basketball, just trying to get a degree that she's working two jobs to pay for. And this is what she said. I lost a scholarship and I lost great opportunities, but I put my life back together and I'm stronger than I've ever been my entire life. So here's a young lady doing the best she can, messed up, but not making excuses and moving forward. It's easy to make excuses. We do it all the time. We want to hide our sin. We want to blame others for it. But you will never move forward in life unless you face the consequences, seek God's forgiveness, and then you will find restoration and new life. Let's have a prayer. Father, we're just so grateful that you do love and forgive us despite ourselves sometimes. Uh, Help us to confess our sin and put it before you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.